All right, well, good morning, everybody. Welcome officially to New Life Church. Good to see everyone. Everybody doing well? Good, good. Parents, are you excited to send some of your teenagers away for the week? <laughs> You're just not going to share it today, are you? You're going to wait till tomorrow morning at like 4.30 when you got to drop them off. Awesome. Oh, you're leaving at 4.30. I better not start naming times. 3.30 then, 3.30. That would be waiting. Awesome. Well, good. So, so good to see you guys this morning. Uh, so glad you're here. Uh, listen, we, we've been doing a series that we started a few weeks ago uh, just called The Epistles uh, in New Testament Letters. Uh, and uh, we're just kind of going through some different ones. We, we've been in uh, Ephesians 1. We've been in Ephesians Six. We've been in First Timothy chapter one, which was last week, talking about a, a few different different things. And uh, today uh, we're going to be in Galatians five. But before we go to Galatians five, I want to start out in Acts chapter two, uh, and then we're going to get to Acts. Or excuse me. Then we're going to get to Galatians chapter five. And um, so let's look at this. Acts chapter two, verse one says this: On the day of Pentecost. All the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this place that we get to gather together. In your name, Lord, we, we, we all have thoughts and things happening in our life and different situations occurring and expectations and dreams ahead, but there's one thing we know we definitely need in our life, and that is you. And that is your, the filling and the power of your spirit in our life to be everything you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do, and to live this life, this kingdom-oriented life that you've called us to live. We can't do it by our might. We can't do it by our strength. God, we need your spirit to be great in our life more than anything else. And so, Lord, today we welcome you and acknowledge you. you're here. And I pray today that you would shed light on your word. Bring it alive to us, O oh God, where we might be stale and crusty in our faith. Today you would make it fresh and vibrant inside of us, that it would not just be a religious thing, but God, it would be our lifeline, it would be our sustenance, it would be a fresh wind in our sails. We love you and we thank you today that you will speak to our hearts, you will help our lives, and you will draw us closer to you, I pray, in Jesus' name, everybody can say amen, amen. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, the actual Jewish holiday was celebrated at sundown on May 30th to sundown on June 1st, just this past week. Uh, the Christian church, we celebrate it today. Uh, exactly seven weeks ago, 
50 days ago was Passover weekend or Easter weekend as we, we call it today. Uh, the days and the time that we celebrate and remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus when he was crucified on the cross, when he was put in the borrowed tomb for three days, and when God the Father called him out of the grave, called him out of the tomb. And it was because of resurrection that Pentecost became in existence. It was on that day, the day of Pentecost, that we just read about in Acts chapter 2, it was on that day that God birthed the church, that he gave life to the church and gave meaning to our lives, and that we can encounter Him. That was the day that marked God no longer just being with us. It was a day that was now known as God living in us. Jesus talked about this. He talked about this to His disciples, and John recorded it in John 14, 15, 16. Luke talked about it in, in his last chapter, 24. And Jesus said... He, told his disciples, the, God, the Father's going to come. It's good for me to go. It's good for me to leave you. I know you don't understand it all, but you will. It'll make sense in, in the right time. But it's good for me to go because the Father's going to send you someone, and he's going to send the helper. He's going to send the Holy Spirit down. He promised that, and he talked about that, and he reminded them uh, after his resurrection, before his final his ascension into heaven, and he was spent about 40 days with the disciples, and just reassuring them of some things and reminding them, hey, the promise is on the way. You need to tarry in Jerusalem. You need to wait. You need to trust me. Come on, anybody ever been in that place before where God says, you just need to wait for me. You just need to trust me. I'm going to come through. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver my promise in your life. Things are going to work out the way I want them to. And so he reminded them of that. And then in Acts chapter 2, 50 days later, after Passover the day of Pentecost. It was more than historical. Pentecost is more than historical. It was more than a festival that took place because God was not just okay with it just being a religious holy day, a religious holiday, a religious festival. He wanted to breathe life into the people that believed in Him. He wanted to bring a true, true relationship on earth with heaven. And so that's what happened. It marked a very special day, and that day carries on with us today. It carries on and lives and, and, and is in existence uh, today as well. It's not just a day we celebrate, it's not just a day we remember, but it's, it's really a day that marks the beginning of the church, uh, marks the beginning. So on this day, God said, look, I'm going to come, I'm going to live in you and by the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit living in you, those who believe, and in other words, God's saying, look, I want to be evident on the earth. I want to be evident on the earth. I want to be seen. And so you, we go on, you go on and read throughout the entire book of the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the local church being established, and so on and so forth. You begin to see that God becomes evident in the church. In other words, what, what the believers had inside of them was inviting to those on the outside. And that's God's plan all along. What he has put in us, himself in us, is supposed to be inviting to the unbeliever in the world. That what we're supposed to be attractive. Not necessarily, the, I'm not talking about the physical style of our appearance, but what is in us, God, the Holy Spirit, is supposed to be attractive to the world. Because what we have is good. What we have in us is better than anything the world could ever give us. And I know we don't always live like that. 
I get it. We, we, the, the things that we're exposed to, the stuff we, we see, and it, it creates all these other issues and other problems in our life. But here's the deal. What Jesus is through the Holy Spirit in us is supposed to be attractive to the world. God wants to be evident to the world. And so what we have on the inside of us is supposed to be enough to not only sustain us, but to also be inviting to the world on the outside. That this isn't just supposed to be about just Christians getting together a few times a week or what have you, keeping it all to ourselves. No, this is supposed to be evident to the world. And so you see that in Acts 2. You got the sight and the sound. The sight and sound of God. The sight and sound of the Holy Spirit. The sight and sound of heaven. It said, on that day, suddenly, there was this sound from heaven. There was this sound. And it was that of a a rushing mighty wind that just blew into that place where those 120 believers were praying. A sound like they had never heard before. They could, they, Luke describes it as like of a rushing mighty wind because that's what it sounded like. There is a sound that God unleashed and put on, on this earth and it, they, it's the way Luke described it in Acts 2, the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And it, and it had a sight. It had the sight of like fire that was on the heads of all those people. That's what it looked like. It looked like fire was on the heads. Here's the thing. We're not supposed to be weirdos. But I know that sounds weird, right? That sounds weird. And here's the deal. Here's the problem. The world has misinterpreted what the church has been trying to communicate. And at times, the church is not best, has not been the best communicators of God and of heaven and of the power of the Spirit. Because we've gotten, at times, we've gotten in the flesh. At times throughout history, we've gotten, we've gotten a little weird. And here's the thing. God does not want us to be weird. Because God is not weird. There are mysteries and there's mysterious things. There's things that Ecclesiastes 11 tells us. We don't understand sometimes the way God does things. That, that happens. Well, there are. There are unexplanations for certain things that God does. We just don't know. But here's the thing. God wants people to know Him. God wants people to know Him. And God works through the church. The church is us. The church is believers. It's not about a building. If it were about a building, believe me, we would be in a different building, a traditional-looking church and steeple and stained glass. Nothing wrong with that. I like that. I love being in that. Here's the thing. It's not about any of that. It's about what is in us. Amen? It's about what is happening inside of us. If we need natural stimulation in our life to make us want to love Jesus more, then we've got it backwards. Right? The Spirit is what does that. The Holy Spirit is what stimulates. The Holy Spirit is what moves us. The Holy Spirit is what intoxicates us. The Holy Spirit is what it makes us want. And that's God working in our life. And so anyway, here's the thing. That's the picture they saw. That was the experience they were having. And it was no doubt real or wouldn't be in the Bible. It happened. And I believe those kinds of encounters should happen in all of our lives. I believe there should be a sound and a sight of God in each believer, in every one of us. I believe that there should be a movement of the Holy Spirit in every one of our lives, that we should not be uh, stale, that we should not be lukewarm, that we should not be complacent, that we should not be anything but 
lovers of God, followers of Jesus, passionately in love with Him, willing to make sacrifices, willing to let ourselves go so that God can have all of us. And at times that's inconvenience to our flesh, right? There are things sometimes God requires of us and asks us to do that we don't want to do. Our flesh does not want to do. But if we trust God and fall into His arms and let Him move and breathe and live in each and every one of us and truly fill our lives, then here's the deal. There will be a sight and there will be a sound of heaven flowing out of our life. That, that the story goes on, people thought they were drunk, and, and Peter spoke up, preached his first sermon after denying the Lord 50 days earlier preached his first sermon, and 3,000 people got saved. And he said, listen, guys, I know it looks odd, but it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. These people are not drunk like you think they are. They are merely intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. God is doing such a supernatural work in the human heart of these lives that there's, there's really, it looks that way, but it really is not that way. Joel even prophesied it. The, the prophet Joel said, this is that. This is that, and Peter goes back and preaches Joel's prophecy from Joel chapter 2. He said, this is that. This is what he said was going to happen. And as a result of there being this sight and being this sound of God in the people's lives, known as the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people gave their hearts to the Lord. And from there, the church was birthed. The church began to grow. People began to, it said in Acts chapter 2, around verse 45, 46, in different varying translations, it said the people on the outside liked what they saw happening on the inside. And the church was being added to daily. Now, I want to be a part of something like that. How about you? Anybody want to be a part, have a church like that, that the Lord is adding to the church daily? Not, for, not so we can tout and say, hey, we got a big church. Whoop, whoop. We got a big church. Whoop, whoop. No, right? It's not about that. It's about God's kingdom is growing. Whoop, whoop. Right? Anybody in need of a true filling of the Holy Spirit in your life? Anybody want more of God? That's the anthem of a lot of these epistles. Let God be greater and let ourselves become smaller. And here's the deal. You see, all the things we chase after, all the questions we have and all the things we're trying to make for our life, it's interesting, when we let God fill us, we let the Holy Spirit lead us, it's interesting, all those things have a place. And God knows how to work those things out. But how often do we find ourselves trying to make things happen? A lot. That we're called... To, to really just rest in God and let the Holy Spirit fill us, lead us, and guide us. And as a result, we'll begin to see the sights and the sounds of heaven exuberating, just blossoming 
out of our life. That the struggles we have, think about the struggles you have with certain things. Those struggles get smaller and go away the greater God becomes in our life. And that's where I want to focus in on today in Galatians 5. Paul's the writer of this. Galatians 5. So you have the promise of the Spirit, the day of Pentecost, it coming to pass. And, you, and, and the word there in the Greek for Holy Spirit is parakletos, which means the helper, the advocate, the comforter. So the Holy Spirit is known as the comforter, as the advocate, and as a helper. God went, I don't want to say he went to all that trouble, but he went to, he, he planned it so well and knew so well what we would need. I'm giving you myself to live in you. God the Holy Spirit living in you to be your advocate, to be your helper, and to be your comforter. And you begin to see in, in, in several ways the role of the Holy Spirit begin to form and develop from Acts on. You see the Holy Spirit give sight and sound to, to the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about this, this nine spiritual gifts, talks about that. So he expresses himself to, instru- to encourage, to strengthen, to support by being an advocate, to being a helper, by being a comforter, to, throughout, by, the, by way of the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts, and there's nine. There's also another one, the way God, the Holy Spirit, strengthens us, encourages us, is our helper and our advocate, etc. That's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You got the power of the Holy Spirit. Power has two meaning, two names to it. One to have authority. If um, if I brought a police officer up and stood in front of us today, and he held his badge, and I said, "Let's go out into the street," and he stood in front of the, in, the, in, the, in the middle of the street and 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 hold a, and without holding his badge, I'm just said, "Here, I want you to stop." And the car hit him. What happened? He didn't have the physical power to stop a car, but if he holds his badge up and he says stop, he has the authority to stop the vehicle, right? And and that's how it is with us. We have authority, but we also have energy, the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So you see the demonstration of the power to be witnesses of Jesus. He told us that in Acts 1, power to be witnesses for Jesus, but we then also have the authority of the Holy Spirit to operate in our life, meaning that we don't take jack off the devil. Meaning God in us, by the Holy Spirit, has greater strength and authority than the enemy. And so we're called to operate in that power, not only the gifts, but also the power and the demonstration thereof, the Holy Spirit working in our life. We have power to lay hands on the sick, bam, they can recover, they can get well. We have power to cast out demon spirits, they have to bow at the name of Jesus, right? We have the authority to operate, to stop the assignment of hell against our life, when we open our mouth and pray the word of God, why? Because we have the backing of heaven, authority in our life to say no to that and to say yes to God. Amen? A few of you believe that? But then you also have the fruit. 
more times often than not, the power and the gifts are talked about a whole lot in the church. But a lot of people don't talk about the fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about it here in Galatians 5. Let's look at it. Verse 1, Paul says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom. Everybody say freedom. My brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. Verse 16, Paul says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Right? It's God's Word. I know. Easier said than allowed to happen. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. There you go. That's why we don't always do what we know we're supposed to do. Verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. He gives some here, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, like sleeping in church. And let me tell you again, it's a joke. Let me tell you again, I just want to make sure you were still with me. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And he goes on, he's going to tell us nine types of fruit that he produces. Pardon? Yeah, varying translations, I guess. Here it goes. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, right, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited, or provoke one another, or be jealous of one another. That, those last two or three verses of that chapter, I feel like is the essence of what Paul is trying to get across to us. 
and that is this. Is that everybody is looking for those fruits. I mean, who wouldn't want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc.? Who wouldn't want those in their life, right? I mean, come on, anybody want any of that in your life? I do. Anybody. I mean, this is the where you raise your hand if you want it. Yeah. It's not saying you got it all you got it all going on for you right now, but you I want it. Yeah. I want it. But everybody wants these things to ha- happen in their life. But here's the deal. They're not found in any aspect or component of the world. They're found in God, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So here's the deal. I think the essence of this message, in part, is this. It's not. Paul's not saying, hey, you idiots, live right and do right. Hey, you goofballs, do what God says to do. Now, I think really the anthem, the heartbeat, the spiritual thread through all of that is this. It's more of the good news of God, and that is, hey, you don't have to live life allowing your flesh to rule and guide you. You can live life letting the Holy Spirit fill you and letting the Holy Spirit lead you. Now, here's the deal. My flesh wants all the other. My spirit wants all of what God has. And that Paul addresses that. They're at enmity. They're fighting constantly going against each other. Which one are you going to let be greater in you? Which one are you going to let be stronger in you? It's your choice, he's saying. It's your choice. I'm not calling you bad. I'm not calling you evil. I'm not saying you're dumb, and I'm not saying you're, you're goofy, and I'm not saying all these other things. I'm just saying, look, you decide. Who do you want to be greater in your life, your flesh or God's spirit? And he said, if you want more, of, if you want to live more for what the Lord has, you've got to let his spirit be great in you. You've got to allow him, you've got to humble yourself. And you've got to let him and cry out to him and ask him, hey, lead me, fill me, guide my life, Holy Spirit. Right? It's intentional. It's request. It, it's from the heart to heaven. God, fill my life. And so I think really that's more of what Paul is getting at is, hey, what do you want to stem from you? What do you want to come out of your life? How do you want your life to turn out? How do you want the people around you to be? What do you want to do with your life? It stems from knowing God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is who produces these things, and he lays these things out. The Holy Spirit produces love. Look at these. Love, agape is what that word is. Agape in the Greek is love. Here's what it means. The attitude of deep affection for others with a focus on loving action and not feeling alone. Because how many times we don't feel like loving somebody, right? We feel like slapping them upside the head. We feel like cussing them out. We feel like doing other things. <laughs> right? Because it don't take but a quick minute to get mad, right? I could get mad right here. You'll see a side of me that's not very pastoral. Which is why I need the Holy Spirit. To fill my life. Amen? But that's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of love, a deep, an attitude of deep affection for somebody else, for other people, with a focus on loving action and not on feeling alone. He said the Holy Spirit produces joy. Joy, I mean, come on, the world is full of sourpusses, right? 
we got all kinds of sad faces, some in the church. Why? Why? We got everything to live for. We need to remind our face that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? Joy it means gladness, cheerfulness, and exceedingly joyful display. That comes from the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to be sad and depressed. We're not supposed to live oppressed. It's not based on natural circumstances. That's the key. We base our feeling oftentimes on what's happening around us and to us, not who is in us. And Paul is saying, let who is in you be greater than what is happening to you. The joy of God is produced by the Holy Spirit. I mean, come on, if we're all sad and depressed and we walk around in life, who in this world would want anything we have to offer? Right? I don't want that, man. You, you love Jesus? Shoot, it don't look like it on your face. Right? You trust God with your life? Look at you, man. You're depressed. You're crying all the time. Joy, gladness, again... The manufacturing of this is not of our flesh. The manufacturing of this is by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Talking about being led and living by the Spirit. He says the, the Holy Spirit produces peace. This kind of fruit, peace in our life. Come on, this is good fruit here to get some. If you could go to any tree and it's got love on it and it's got joy on it and it's got peace on it, that's the kind to pull and pluck, right? And to partake of. Peace means harmony with others, not living offended. It's the state of a soul that's assured of salvation and content in God. Peace. Harmony with others. Man, I like that. Peace. Patience. The Holy Spirit produces patience. Another word in, in, in some... Translations, long-suffering. Holy Spirit produces long-suffering. It means endurance, constancy, a steadfastness. And this, it means a slowness in avenging wrongs. I like that, a slowness in avenging wrongs. It's so slow that when you get around to thinking about avenging the wrong, you don't because so much time has passed that it won't even mean anything anymore. That kind of slow. Turtle slow. Turtle slow, probably slower than turtles. That's slow. That's real slow. But that's the kind of patience the Holy Spirit produces in us. Come on, man, think about it. Think about the knee-jerk reactions you and I have at times. But if we had the patience of the Holy Spirit being worked in us, we wouldn't have the knee-jerk reaction, right? Right? Now, I know nobody ever, you, none of you have ever, you don't have any carnal issues whatsoever. You have no sinful nature working in your life. I get it. Preaching to the perfect, pure church here today. Just pray for me that I'll join you one day and get there. Pray that I'll become more long-suffering like you. Because uh, I have the power of the mic. I can keep going. No. I'm teasing. I wouldn't do that to you. Kindness. The Holy Spirit produces kindness. It means this moral goodness and integrity. Excellence in character. Kindness. It's the quality of being benign. That word benign is often a health term relating to cancer, sickness, 
benign or malignant. Benign. But here's what benign means. Having a kindly disposition. Kindly disposition. Kindness. Excellence in character. Moral goodness and integrity. Other religions teach that you obtain that by the letters of the law of their belief. And Paul's saying you obtain that by letting the Holy Spirit make it happen. I'm so glad because, shoot, I couldn't do these other things. I can't do these other religions. There's too many I's to dot and T's to cross. I don't have the patience for that. But what that tell, they tell you is you need to have the patience for that and let the law of the letter work itself out. But God, Paul saying, hey, no, it's by the Spirit. You'll never be kind on your own. You'll never be patient on your own. And here's the thing. Who tests all of these things in our life? Other people. And it's other people that we're called to love and witness to and tell people about Jesus, right? Now, I'm sure Miss Rashonda had a few thoughts in her mind when she was hit. She didn't even know where she was. That's how crazy that wreck was. This thing, and if that had happened to me, I don't know what I'd have said or what I'd done. I like to think I'd have been nice. Right? I know, I know, I went to this church one time a long time ago. It was a pastor, and he has a pretty big church, but he's no longer alive. But anyway, he was praying for people on the prayer line, and some dudes popped him upside the jaw in the prayer line. I know. And he didn't hit him back. He kept on praying as ushers and other men like took the guy away. I don't know what they did to him, but he, 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 he was Jesus in front of everybody. I'm thinking if somebody did that to me, these are some of the thoughts that run through a pastor's head sometimes. If somebody did that to me while I'm praying for somebody, I probably would have went pow right back because that is my knee-jerk reaction. You pop me, I'm going to pop you back, right? I'm not saying it's right. I'm not condoning it. Don't get the one thing out of this message today. Well, the preacher said I could hit that dude back. <laughs> I did not. I'm just telling you how often our flesh rules our life and not the Spirit of God. Kindness. Goodness, the Holy Spirit produces goodness. It means to be generous, have good actions of moral quality. Action-oriented, goodness. Now, there was a member in our church who told me this testimony last week. They were in line to get a prescription, and they went up to get it and pay for it, and it was way too expensive, and they said, I can't do it, and they left. They were leaving. A stranger walks up to them in the parking lot and says, I overheard your conversation. I want to pay for your prescription. Let's go back in and pay for it. They pay for it. One of our members here, and, and they, they, a stranger, pays for it. That's the kind of goodness that the Holy Spirit creates. Generous. Good actions of moral quality. I'm just thinking, how, how, many, how, how more often could we be kind and good to strangers in our world? I try to make it a habit if, 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 I can, if I can have the patience of the Holy Spirit working in me enough that 
those in, 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 in the workplace who are, who are serving others, whether it be behind a cash register or a hostess or a, or a server at a table or whatever, I like to ask them how they're doing. I always like to lead, see their name, say it. How are you doing? How are you doing? I know that was probably not the right context to use Joey from Friends from years ago. How you doing? Faithfulness. The Holy Spirit produces faithfulness. Character of one who can be relied upon. Faithfulness. Can people rely on you? Can your unbelieving co-workers rely on you that when you say you're going to do something, they actually see you do it? When you said you were going to do it. Can other people rely on you? Now I know there's some natural components of that. You can be raised and taught to be responsible and faithful, etc. I get that. But also the Holy Spirit makes it possible in our life. Gentleness. The Holy Spirit produces gentleness. Here's one that meek it means meekness and humility. Not weakness. Pride is weak. Humility is strength. Think about it. World says opposite. If you're gentle, oh, you must be weak. The meek inherit the earth. Meekness is gentleness, humility. Pride is weak. Humility is strength because it takes a strong person to humble themselves and admit their faults. Right? That's pride. I mean, excuse me, that's humility. Pride pushes it aside and does the opposite. But the Holy Spirit produces this. We, the world in our life, people in our life, strangers in our world, they need to see Christians operating with gentleness. Gentleness. Humility. And then it says the Holy Spirit produces self-control. Which means temperance. deals with your temperance. It's, it means someone who is mastering the desires and passions in their life. It means this. Self-control means you have the discipline to say no to what you need to say no to and yes to what you need to say yes to. Touches all things in our life. All aspects in our world. Self-control. All of these things come about by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the deal. I get it. I want to see the power. I want to see the gifts. Me too. But here's what God says. I want to see all of it working in a Christian's life. I want to see the power of the Holy Spirit working. I want to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing, but I also want to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit blossoming in your life. Who says you got to have one or the other? Who says one has got to be greater than the other? God says, I want to see all of them being working, working in your life. I want to see the power of God work. I want to see the gifts of God work. And I want to see the fruit of the Spirit coming out in your life. Amen? Because here's the deal. We could have the power and we could have the gifts, but if Paul says, if I have not love, none of that other stuff matters. 
any one of us, God could use, we could pray for someone bound in a wheelchair. They get up, walk for the rest of their life. But then we walk out and go treat our neighbor like dirt. Probably a good indicator that God's not going to use you again to pray for somebody like that. Not, maybe, sometimes, who knows. But that's, in essence, what Paul gets at. He spends chapter 12, 13, and 14 in 1 Corinthians talking about it. The power and the gifts, which also is the fruit. Here's what I want to end by saying this. God wants to be evident to the world. It's not just the power and it's not just the gifts, but it's also with the fruit because here's the deal. Power is to be demonstrated. Gifts are to be given. Fruit is to be enjoyed. Say you want to pray for someone in this world you don't know. You walk up to them. If they haven't, if, and they saw you just over there running down somebody with your own mouth, talking bad about so-and-so, mm, so-and-so, and they heard you, and then you want to go up and pray for them, here's what's probably going to happen. I don't want what you have. Right? Here's the, here's the thing. That happens too much. It happens too much. So Paul's writing, and he's trying to get it, us, get it to us to understand is, hey, the essence of what I'm saying is that, man, let the Holy Spirit fill you. Let the Holy Spirit live in you. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. And when you do, He's going to bring about all the great things that I have for you and how I want to use your life and how your life is supposed to be. Because we all need more love, right? We all need more joy, absolutely. Because a lot of our joy is dependent upon a lot of natural things. It's not, a, a, it's not always rooted in the, love of the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need more love. We need more joy. We need more peace. We need more patience. We need more kindness. We need more gentleness. We need more goodness. We need more faithfulness. We need more self-control in our life. Last time I checked, the church is not perfect. The people of God are not perfect. Paul even goes on in Philippians 3, I haven't arrived yet. Late in his ministry, he's about to call it in. He sees heaven calling him home. He's like, I haven't made it yet. But one thing I do, forget what's behind and I press on to what's ahead. Paul's a writer of all these things and he knows in his mind and in his heart what he's getting at. Could it be that one of those thoughts is, mm, Holy Spirit, keep filling my life. Keep leading my life. Amen? Can you stand? I want to pray for us. I believe so great in the instant, suddenly move of God. But I also believe so great in the sustaining move of God. That what starts in us is supposed to carry on with us. That we want to see the sights and the sounds of heaven. And I do. I, want, I believe there's, there's so much more that God wants to do in our world. And how he wants to use the church and the bride of Christ. But we got to be hungry. And we got to be thirsty. And we got to be open. We got to be wanting more 
of what He wants and less of what we want. Amen? Which is why we must encounter Him. Which is why we must have heaven fill us. We must have the Holy Spirit fill our life on a daily basis. If you want more of Him, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands where you are and we'll pray right where we are. Say, God, I want more of you, Holy Spirit. I know there's questions and there's thoughts and there's things about life you've got, but really the essence of your need is the Holy Spirit. Right now, God, I come before you as an incomplete person on earth, by faith complete in Christ, living on this side of eternity, seeing things dimly, not seeing them to the fullness of what they are. But Lord, we're here, and I thank you. You didn't leave us here alone. Jesus, you told your disciples that you're not leaving them as orphans, that God the Father was going to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, to fill, your, to fill their lives. And Lord, here we are today, realizing, understanding, we need more of you. God, we, we, we're not content with living on last week's experience. We're not content with living on yesterday's encounter. Lord, we want to wake up and live each day having the freshness of your spirit alive in our lives. So I pray today that you will blow in us, that you will blow a fresh wind in our sails. I pray today, God, where we're stuck, we might be in a doldrum, we're caught between two currents, not moving, that God, today I pray you would blow in our life and you would move us forward. God, where we have tried to get going, we have tried to get untangled, we have tried to get unstuck, but we have not been successful. Oh God, by your spirit and your spirit alone, I pray today that, Lord, our hearts would be hungry, our souls would be thirsty, our spirit would cry out to heaven today, fill us, oh God, fresh and anew with your spirit, more than what we've talked about, more than what we've read about in history of the days gone by, of the great moves and the supernatural moves of God today. Be a supernatural move in us today. Lord, be fresh in our life today. We want to bite the fresh bread of heaven. We want to drink the freshness of your wellspring of life today. Oh God, help us to be, to, to, to be willing to forsake and abandon anything and everything that hinders us to truly be free the way Paul wrote and talked about. Fill us with your spirit. Just say that with me. Fill me with your spirit, God. Fill me with your spirit. Lead my life by your spirit. Lead my life by your spirit. Help me to depend on your spirit. Help me to depend on your spirit. May my flesh and my carnal side grow weak. And may your spirit be strong. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.